Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. You are listening to KC Sports Network, proudly presented by Emprise Bank. Up next, the latest on the Kansas State Wildcats from the guys of Three Maw, John Kurtz, Derek Young, and Cole Manbeck, who will get you caught up on all the things going down in Manhattan. The latest news, top stories, and insider perspectives to keep you in the know. Make sure to hit the follow button so you don't miss anything. Three Maw is proudly presented by Holiday Distillery and their vast assortment of spirits. And now, the latest episode of Three Maw. Ah, uh, yes, another Three Maw pod. I am John Kurtz. Welcome in. I am joined by Derek Young from K-State Online, who is still in Greensboro, North Carolina, and Cole Manbeck, former beat writer for the Manhattan Mercury. And, uh, man, I tell you what, I'm still riding the high, boys. I'm still riding the high of the win over Kentucky as K-State heads to the Sweet 16. D.Y. will be going straight from North Carolina to New York. I've got people trying to find ways to send me to New York. Uh, maybe we can talk more, more about that. Here in a little bit, and uh, Kentucky fans are still crying in my Twitter mentions somehow after uh, after a heartbreaking loss. So there is a lot of ground to cover here, and we're going to do a lot of Michigan State preview as well on this pod. But the one man who has not yet really spoken to us about what happened in the Kentucky game, and quite literally has not spoken to us on the pod about what happened in the Kentucky game, is Derek Young. So we will start there. First, though, let me remind you, get your... Ben Holiday bottled in Bond Bourbon. Get your 360 vodka. Support Holiday Distillery, who obviously supports us. And get ready because it's going to be in pretty early. You're going to need that booze ready to go like right after work. Uh, it'll be 530 Central on uh, Thursday, which is honestly to me like a little bit of a bummer almost. I'm like, I need a little more buildup time. But hey, get whatever it is that you need to get ready from Holiday Distillery. 360 vodka. Ben Holiday bottled in Bond Bourbon. D.Y., uh, how was it? Take it in uh, everything. I assume that you were courtside this time and not up in the not on the roof like you were at Sprint Center. How, how was it watching all of that unfold? Did Coach Cal, did Coach Cal, whine just as hard from uh, you know two rows back of everything as he did on the TV screen? Yeah, to be honest, I, th- I thought both sides were uh, pretty displeased with the officials during that game. There was a lot that that went wrong on that front. I think my main takeaway would be that I think both teams, uh, and obviously KSU underscore fan was right there beside me for the game. I think both teams benefited from from calls at different times. I think it probably balanced out for the most part. I think Oscar got away with with a little bit of stuff. Uh, Are you trying to say that Marquise Noel was was not actually shooting the ball uh, when he got fouled? 
<laughs> yeah, Marquis well, yeah, he was not shooting shooting the ball, of course. There was two times on our end of the floor, too, where um Kansas State got steals, I believe, uh near the basket. And they literally, when they put their hand down, they like smacked the guy right in the forearm. Like it was it was a lot of arm and and no ball a couple of times and he got away with it. But like I said, Kentucky got away with the bunch too. Kentucky got away with a lot of travels, I thought. There was a, there was an out-of-bounds call right by us that Kansas State was the beneficiary on, I believe. So I kind of rolled my eyes at just about anything for on either side when they bicker about the officials because I thought they were pretty stinky both ways. So that that's the way I see it on that front. In terms of the basketball, I thought that was an extremely high-level basketball game. Um, maybe it's because of the differing perspective. Even at the Big 12 sites anymore, you're not necessarily courtside, so you don't get the same same view or, or same feel for the game. But that just seemed like, um, out of all the games this year, like the highest level, like a lot of talent on the floor, like going at it, mano a mano, evenly matched, very competitive. I thought, aside from the shooting, I thought both teams actually played really well. So I thought... You know, in, in 2018, and this is not to take any way, anything away from that K-State team to beat Kentucky in the Sweet 16 to go to the Elite Eight, but I thought that they had to rely on Kentucky playing a less than stellar game in order to win that, especially since they didn't have Dean Wade. I think most people would agree with that. It was going to take a, a kind of a you know off night from Kentucky for Kansas State to win, and they were the recipient of that. This was different. I think Kansas State played – Aside again, aside from the shooting, which was pretty bad on both sides, I thought Kansas State got Kentucky's best shot, and they still beat them. Well, not not only that, but about the 2018 Kentucky game. Do you remember how K State started that game? It was I like don't. it was like 14 to one or something. Yeah, I mean, it like, was. Yeah. And they and they just got red hot from three. Like they were just bombing threes, and that was the total. K State started 0 of 13 from three point range this time around. So yeah, it was like a a much different script. Like watching that game, it was K-State was clearly out talented, but they got really hot. And yeah, Kentucky played a, a bit of a down game and K-State made a lot of plays too. I mean, don't take anything away yeah. from it. But yeah, it, you, you are correct. That's a, it's a very, it's a very astute point that you make there. I thought the, the, the similar part was that Kansas State is the one that made the plays in both games in the final stretch. And that's why they won. But yeah, they had to rely on Kentucky playing you know, a B minus C plus game missed a lot of free throws, if I remember correctly, which was kind of a big, big thing. And and obviously, they Kentucky made almost all of their free throws against Kansas State. Both teams were great from the free throw line, just not anywhere else on the floor. So yeah, I just different script, and it almost felt like a good thing. Like they were getting, it felt better. Like you beat Kentucky with. You know, no extra incent or you know help from the Wildcats. You beat them at their their best game. Cole, any thoughts? I mean, no. I just spouted out a lot of the things after the game and the instant reaction. I, I agree uh, for the most part, other than Dy on the officiating. I would uh, I would disagree <laughs> with that. Obviously, you always do uh, that. You're, you're the hardest one on the officials. Not the only guy that did a uh, job worth the lick was Jerry Pollard out there. Our guy Jerry sticking up for uh, Big Twelve country and the Wildcats. You know, I'm a big fan of Jerry. Ooh, and he and Jerome Tang were getting after it. There was one time it was probably during a commercial break where. I thought Coach Tang was getting close to getting a T from Jerry Pollard. Uh, Coach Tang wasn't happy with him on a probably, I would say, a number of occasions, actually. And just one thing, you know, everything's coming back to me. Uh, 
the biggest factor, K-State played great defense, but Reeves going like, what, one for 13, one for 14, 15? That was, that was big, yeah. Yeah, I mean, uh, <clears throat> I changed my tune then on Jerry Pollard. Uh, if Jerome was not happy with Jerry, then I'm not happy with Jerry. So uh, I take it back. He sucks. And he's a Cardinals fan. So, I mean, I know we have some K-State fans who are St. Louis Cardinals fans, so I don't mean to, to divide there. But uh, anyways, on the basketball front, I mean, I, yeah, we hit on it all yesterday too. I mean, we wanted to get your thoughts, D.Y., but yeah, Reeves going one of 15 from three was obviously a huge factor. One of 15 from the floor, one of 10 from three, and he didn't hit that last three, his first three, until there were about seven seconds left in the game, and the game was already over at that point. So, uh, I thought K-State defensively was tremendous throughout that game and forcing Kentucky into their third highest turnovers on the season with 16 uh, was obviously a big factor in 11 in the first half. And I, I was going back through, I, I rewatched the game some last night and just taking it back in like the end of that sec, the end of the first half and the end of the second half, the end of the game were just fun as hell. I mean, that was some of the funnest basketball that I've watched in a long time. You know, the highlight real plays, it, it, John, you were talking about it yesterday on the show. It, it's so much fun because like this team is becoming more likable to the rest of the country. People are starting to pick up on the fun, the, the fun nature of the way they play and the way they carry themselves. And like the Marquise Noel behind the back pass to Keontae and the between the legs pass to Keontae and next play. And, you know, Marquise, no look pass to Naquan. Like the country is now picking up on how fun this team is. And the longer they can go, they're going to have a lot of people cheering for them across the country because it's a fun style of basketball and a fun group of dudes. And uh, I just thought the end of those halves were phenomenal and the way K-State responded and made plays and crucial stretches in that game. And uh, as I went back and looked through the box scores, like the last 39 points that K-State scored when they were down 39-36, last 15 minutes of the game, Marquise Noel either assisted or scored on 33 of the 39 points. He went five of nine from the floor, including three of five from three, had four assists and 23 points and 10, 11 from the free throw line during that final 15 minutes of the game. And I also, I tweeted this out too. I just think it, it's very fitting and maybe we didn't give Ish as much due as I should have on yesterday's show. Just for him to hit that three, his second shot of the game, hadn't shot the ball the entire second half, for him to hit a designed 24-foot three because K-State called that play. David Gasson was setting a screen, and they were trying to get the timing right to screen the defender and then get that ish, that look. Um, for Ish to just bury that three to put him up 64-62, he's made some huge threes in big moments this year. I mean, you look at the Baylor game and Waco as well and some other key moments where he swung the momentum in games. For him to make that shot, I felt so good for him. And you just think about it, it's pretty neat that when K-State was down 60-56, to 56, that it was Marquise Noel and Ish Masood that scored the next eight points to give K-State a 64-62 to 62 lead that they never would rel relinquish the rest of the way. So just a, a cool storyline that those two were able to combine for those eight points and, and put them over the hump. Yeah, I mean, those, those finishes were – pretty amazing and, and like you said it's the brand of basketball is what's going to i was thinking about it man you just not, not just the brand of basketball but it is the brand of basketball just the way they play with the you know the lobs the you know the fancy passes and all of that but it's also just the way that they you know they use their program they run it like a commercial perfectly too um with the pre-game routine stuff that they're putting out there, whether it's from Dream Dowling's Instagram or his Twitter account, 
Um, and now from the K-State basketball account, kind of showing behind-the-scene locker room stuff there with, with the pregame routine as well, their post-game celebrations. Uh, they're just commercializing themselves really well. So one of the – you know, I got a couple more ads I wanted to talk about. But one of the first things I wanted to say was just like it, it kind of almost makes you peek into the future, like in a month or two when you have to recruit and just how much all of this is going to be a weapon for them and, and how – you know, maybe how much more they can increase their recruiting profile because of it. Because I'm anxious to see now, uh, just judging by all the reactions that, we, that we've been seeing from, you know, a ton of folks on social media. And then when it comes to the actual basketball, some things that I wanted to touch on real, real quick is cool. Kind of con- uh, rattled up some more thoughts from mine. I thought the biggest moment, aside from those two, the finishes to both halves, was when Kentucky went on, I believe, a 14-0 run to go up 39-31, to I want to say. Uh, and then Kansas State responded right back with an 8-0 run to themselves and tied it up at 39, I believe. And uh, I think it was Desi Sills that kind of ignited that, yep. if I'm correct. Um, the turnover thing, it, it's interesting. Uh, Kentucky had twice as many turnovers, 16. Kansas State only had eight. You love that. But they, it's the weird – the way the, the ball goes for this team sometimes, it's still weird that – Kentucky still had more points off turnovers, even though even though Kansas State only had half the, the amount of turnovers that they that they did. Um, I forget what that was, but I'm pretty sure Kentucky still scored more points off turnovers. It is interesting though that K State outscored Kentucky 20 to eight in fast break points when it did feel like th- when that 13 0 run DY occurred to start the second half, that felt like Kentucky was getting out and running every time because of some turnovers by K State and a couple shots that came up short. Were they able to out- outlet the ball out quickly and get down the court and score? But K State outscores them twenty to eight. That was a big deal. The turnovers were a huge deal. Obviously, K State only turning it over eight times. I thought another big factor was Kentucky nineteen offensive rebounds, but only seventeen second chance points. So less than a point per offensive rebound scored. You think about the TCU game in Kansas City. Remember, Jerome Tang was frustrated by the second chance points. That game. TCU scored 25 points on second chance points on, I think, 12 offensive rebounds. They averaged 1.8 points per offensive rebound. Uh, So they had seven less offensive rebounds, but scored eight more points than what Kentucky did yesterday. So I just thought the the second shot, third shot defense was huge after Kentucky did get those rebounds. Yeah. And so the rebound, the rebounding, the turnover things are kind of flipped. They had all those rebounds, but they didn't score a ton off them. They only forced a few turnovers, but they still scored more points off turnovers than K-State. So it's a really good thing that K-State only turned it over eight times because Kentucky was so effective every time that the Wildcats turned it over. And this will probably my last point. So probably go into the, the second chance points thing. I think just the way they matched Kentucky's physicality in the paint. I know Oscar Shibu still got all of his production, but boy, there, there's times this year where you kind of question the toughness on the interior at times from Kansas State, that was not the case on Sunday. I mean, David Gasson and Naquan Tomlin were grown men. And and Ish, you know, I mean, Ish yeah. was down there battling with, with Shibway. Yeah, yeah, and it's like all, all those guys who you would, like, maybe not necessarily Naquan. I, I don't know, all of them, really, You kind of, they're, they're kind of more finesse. I mean, they've got finesse bigs. They've got pretty skilled finesse bigs and not guys that you think would be able to hold up down low uh, against Kentucky. I mean – Let's just put it plainly. I mean, K State, K State was just the tougher team and the tougher, tougher operation from top to bottom. I mean, that's that's kind of the thing that is sticking with me in the aftermath of this game. There's been a lot made about John Calipari's comments, uh, which 
shout out again to whoever hit hit us with that in the live chat before I had seen it. Now having some time to actually hear the quote and like react to it. I mean, John Calipari after the game referring to Marquise Noel as like that little dude just kind of flippantly like, oh, that little dude hit a shot, you know, and like, like okay, come on, man. He had 27 and nine and, and made you guys look like the, uh, who was it that the Harlem Globetrotters would play? Whoever the opponent was for the Harlem Globetrotters. Like he, he lit your ass up and made you guys look like that the whole game. They're just, and Cal whining about the, the officials the whole game. There's been that picture now that's come out, which is just spectacular of Marquise after he had kind of spiked the ball down and he's slamming the ball down on the ground and the Kentucky guys are both pointing at him like as if to complain. I mean, that was just the story of the game. Like Kentucky was whining and complaining and K-State, despite faltering sometimes and having some really bad stretches, was just tough as nails and kept fighting and hammering it out and made made more plays and all this stuff, you know, hard over height, all this stuff that Marquise talks about. That was just so apparent. And sometimes some of that talk can get really corny, but it just, to me, struck me like how much how much more of that that K-State had than Kentucky. K-State has plenty of talent too. I mean, don't get me wrong. It's not like K-State didn't belong on that floor, um, but th they absolutely were just tougher. And that comes from the head coach who, again, is such a fascinating character where he has some elements of, you wouldn't think that this is like ultimate tough guy, alpha male, but it's like you said, D.Y., like he is 1000% an alpha male and his team absolutely exudes that confidence. And you saw it throughout the, in, the entirety of the game. And to me, I mean, that's, that's really why, that's why K-State won the game. I mean, look at, obviously, Ish. We talk about that. Guy who hadn't done anything really the entire game steps up and hits that three. And then how about Keontae? Like, Keontae was playing a very unpopular game in Cole Manbeck's basement. We'll, we'll put it that way, uh, up until the last three. And he, and he steps up and hits this unbelievable three that was the backbreaker and the game clincher there at the end of the game. That, that takes toughness, and that takes a good mental attitude, which it did not appear to be a whole lot of that going on on the Kentucky side. Jerome Tang, yeah, they kind of just take on the personality of their coach. Uh, he lets them – the freedom that he lets them operate with on that end is why you kind of get those rewards at the end. I mean, people wanted to pull their hair out at times this year because of Marquise Noel's – you know, some of the turnovers that he makes. And and, and maybe I'm – and I'm probably included. There's a few that, you know, chat me a few times this year, right? But you giving him the freedom to do that is – you. Then you get the reward, like you saw on Sunday, where he just shoots the lights out from deep because he has that freedom. He he makes those awesome passes between the legs behind the back because he has that freedom. So it's it's just different when you allow these players to be confident and have that freedom to do what they do on the offensive end because sometimes it's really going to you know hit the surface and, and look look the way it did on Sunday against you know the last blue blood that was left in the tournament. A standalone game, so it's probably one of the more higher-rated NCAA tournament games so far because there was no other game going on and and went down to the wire. So that's just another part of it as well. But he, Jerome Tang, is an alpha male um, that has a lot of swagger, and I mean his his guys love it. And you know, there's no coach speak about it either. And sometimes it's like, man, are they? You got some bulletin board material here and there. They just don't care. They are themselves unapologetically. That's so it's interesting you say that. I wanted to ask you this is what, and this may be a little more self serving, but I think people are generally pretty interested in this. But I very much am curious about this because I've had experiences with Kentucky's media twice before when K State has played them in the tournament twice before. So I already had some preconceived notions there about that. But yeah. I guess. Set it aside. Like, so it starts with the Naquan Tomlin thing where he's asked a question about the style of Kentucky 
and they're pigs. And he basically is saying what he's saying is, I mean, she weighs a different kind of style than what we typically see because he's a monster. And with everybody else, uh, it's kind of the same deal. And of course, the Kentucky beat guy, the Kentucky fan side guy takes that, you know, no offense, D.Y., but Kentucky fan side guy takes that and puts the quote out there that's just raw meat, you know, for the base about Naquan Tomlin says, you know, it's not, I don't even remember what it was at this point. He it's said, not- yeah, he said, uh, the only thing, something about the only thing we got to worry about is Oscar Sheepway. Nothing else can really threaten us, maybe. Or long yeah, I don't even think it was like that. But if it was even a little more innocuous than that, I thought, but they, but when you lay it out without the context or the fact that he was kind of baited into it with the question and you just strip the the quote, it looked bad. I'll look it up here, D.Y., while I let you talk uh, yeah. in a second. But I, my point with all this is I saw that and I thought, well, one, this is going to be really annoying. And then two, oh, crap, like the coaching staff is probably going to be like, shh shoot, why did we let, you know, we, we got to be careful with Naquan up there, like saying stuff like that. They didn't seem to bat an eye. They didn't seem to care at all. And Jerome Tang, when he was asked about Kentucky before the game, <laughs> and basically, again, to me, seeming like, and this is what I remember of Kentucky media before, expecting you to just kind of bow at the altar and kiss the rings and be like, oh, we're so excited to play a program of this stature and a coach of this stature. Tang was like, listen, I beat these bozos three times at Baylor. I snapped a 55-game winning streak that they had in their home arena. Like, uh, K-State beat them the last time you played them in the NCAA tournament. Like, what? I don't need to do any of that. And then after the game, he has the quote that's blown up now and Big Blue Nation is crying about where he said, we we had more dudes than they did today. And that's what it's really all about. Instead of, again, bowing down at the altar of Kentucky. Yeah, the, uh, the Naquan Tomlin <clears throat> quote, I think he got tripped up by the question a little bit just because it was a little bit of a a, a trap question on that front. And they were talking about the styles and he in his answer probably didn't come out the way that he wanted it to but he was just trying to imply that the style of kentucky is not necessarily something that they have to be concerned about the, the only thing that they haven't seen before is oscar Sheboy. so that that was the the adjustment or the emphasis that they were going to probably have to exhibit um going into that game and in terms of the other stuff um before the game and after the game with jerem tang I think it's kind of was similar to the, the what the Kansas thing for him, really. The like when he's trying to end a chant and say like we need to expect to beat this team and not really uplift them and make them feel more self-important than they already are. I think that's what it comes down to with Jerome Tang, because it was it was the question at least after the game because I was right there for it. He said, "What does it mean for your program to beat a team like Kentucky?" And I think that. That ending part, that just is the one thing that he doesn't like because uh, I think he hears that. He's heard that a couple of different times. It's like we're going – because he said we're going to be that team, right? Like we have a good program. Kentucky's not, you know, above us. I think that's his attitude because he is so alpha male and competitive. He doesn't want to hear like, oh, little old K-State just beat, you know, you know, my big mighty Kentucky because he's like – did anyone just watch that game? We were just as talented as them, and we beat them when they played really good basketball. Yeah, I would agree with that. By the way, this is—I'm sorry. This is how this is how bad you know I have been on Twitter here lately. I've been scrolling the entire time you've been talking. I still have not gotten to like three days ago. Uh, you can go to break. Here we go. No, no, no. I got it. So the the Naquan Tomlin quote was. 
I don't think it will be something that will be much that will be much of a challenge besides Oscar. That's what he said. But he meant the style, not their actual caliber of play. Yes, correct, correct. Uh, so you feel like the Kentucky media in general was was baiting some of that, expecting some, expecting more of that than they got from K State. With the Tomlin thing, I think he probably just needed to be a little bit more. This is more with Tang. Uh, this is more with more with Tang's answers. With the Tang thing, I think he was not he was not having it with the 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 preconceived notions that the Kentucky media had about themselves. Okay, yeah, that that is what I thought. Uh, okay, let's take a break. Uh, we will come back and get into uh, Michigan State, Sparty, Tom Izzo, all that coming up uh, for the Cats next. You're listening to the fastest growing sports media network in Kansas City, KC Sports Network. We'll be back right after this. Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Entertain. Educate. Inform. KC Sports Network. All right, back here on 3 Ma. Uh, whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> Some of us are back here on 3 Ma. <laughs> This is one of the funnier things I feel like has happened in in show history. For those of you that are just listening audio only, you're missing a treat because we we cut to the break there. We come back and I look, I glance down, so I have to look at a camera that's like away from my computer. So if you see me looking down a lot, it's because anytime I look at my computer screen to see anything, it looks like my eyes are down. So I'm looking straight ahead at the camera because I'm thinking, all right, we're coming back on camera. Let me look at the camera, and then I just glance down real quick and I'm like. Why does it look different? Like everything looks different. And I'm like, oh, it's because Cole's chair is empty. And it's just it's just me and DY that are back. But uh, as, as you now hear, uh, podcast listeners, Cole is Cole's back, back in his chair. <laughs> Hello, Cole. You, you scared me there for a second is what happened. Well, you know, had a, had to make a run to get something real quick. So I mean, we're, we're talking we're talking Michigan State. I know you're going to be the guy with all the Michigan State numbers. You can't just you can't just abandon me at that point in the uh, in the podcast, man. Well, I wanted to make sure that I had enough of uh, <clears throat> liquid resources here to get me through because I know I'll have to talk a lot during the Michigan State stuff. So I had to make sure that uh, I'm lubed up, as you would call it, John, with Diet Dr Pepper. Yeah, well, that that is that is very true. That is very true. Um, I have had, I'm still like, it's hard for me to turn the page, right? It has been very hard for me to turn the page to Michigan State because I'm still just kind of basking in the glow of all of this here as, as we sit late Monday. I mean, it is, this is coming up quick, man. Thursday at, at 5.30, like that is not that far away. And you've got to go play one of the best to ever do it in March. I mean, I saw like, there have been so many stats about Izzo. He's got like, 
16 wins in the tournament as an as an uh, the team that is the lower seed. I mean, it's like crazy what this guy's been able to do. So the seven seed thing, I, I will say that I've been good about being able to just abandon that going into this game. Like, don't pay attention to the seven in front of their name. Like, it's Tom Izzo in March, and he's been as good at anybody in the sport at, at winning this time of year and winning with teams that don't look on paper like perhaps that they should really totally belong at this point of the year. So that's the starting point uh, for, for me on Michigan State and where we're at with that. I would agree with that, John. I mean, look, they're a seven seed. They're a seven seed for a reason because of the some of the struggles they had at different points in this season and their lack of high quality wins. If you actually look at their resume, they've only beaten two top twenty five Ken Palm teams this year. They also beat Kentucky in the non con, but Kentucky is now twenty sixth in Ken Palm. So K State obviously also beat the Wildcats um, yesterday in the NCAA tournament, but. They beat Maryland, which is number 23 in Ken Palm. And let's see, who who's the other team? Oh, and they beat Marquette. Marquette was their second top 25 Ken Palm win. Their first second round NCAA tournament game happened to be their second 25 top 25 win there. So they haven't beaten great teams. In fact, they are two and four against Ken Palm top 25. Uh, and K-State is six and five versus the Ken Palm top 25. So K-State's obviously played a much more difficult schedule. Um, and also been more successful against those higher-end opponents. But to get back to your point, like Ken Palm still has Michigan State as the number 25 team in the country. Bartorvik.com has Michigan State as the number 24 team in the country. Ken Palm has K-State 21st. Bartorvik has K-State 24th. So essentially, they, they view this as almost a coin flip type matchup. Uh, and so while it's a two versus or a three versus a seven, uh, it's – it's still going to be an extremely challenging game going up against Izzo, who I think is now 10 and four in sweet 16 games. And I, this is actually from Ryan Wallace who uh, tweeted it earlier today, but he's 10 and four in sweet 16 games. And the four losses he suffered were to uh, Dean Smith, Mike Krzyzewski, Rick Patino, and then uh, that pud John Calipari. Hmm. Hmm. Well, I mean, Jerome Tang has beaten John Calipari, Bill Self, uh, who was the other one that we need to throw on that list? It's a Hall of Fame. Oh, Bob Scott, Huggins this year. Scott Drew. Drew. Um, and so he's he's been able he's been able to match up with with some coaching heavyweights here. But I, we I'm not gonna lie that that is intimidating. Dy, we were debating on that live show because we still didn't know who the the opponent was gonna be for sure at that point in time. Whether or not you'd rather have Marquette or Michigan State, and I think like the the common thought going into it had been like Marquette from a matchup standpoint is more difficult just because of what they, what they do well, namely like turning you over. But that, I mean, now that we're here and I probably would have just talked myself into whoever K-State was playing, being a little bit more nervous and worried about it, to be honest. But now that we're here, I'm almost like a boy. I don't know. Like we, we could have, you could have had Shaka smart versus Tom Izzo here in the, in the sweet 16. I mean, <laughs> not sure how exactly I feel about that. So where, where are you at on which one would have been the better matchup? Um, better matchup is Michigan State. So they're a strictly jump shooting team. They don't even get to the rim all that often, and they're in the 300s in terms of shots at the rim. Kansas State, really good jump shot defensive team where they've struggled sometimes is defending the rim. So from an offense-defense perspective, boom, that goes in Kansas State's direction. On the other side of the ball, Kansas State's bugaboo has been turning the ball over. Guess what? Michigan State doesn't force turnovers. 
They don't steal the basketball. They don't do any of that stuff. Now, they still play pretty good defense on shots and, and everything like that. They just don't turn you over. So you don't have to really worry um, in that capacity either unless something strange happens and you get a bizarre game. Um, where you kind of wonder where the, when the Spartans might have an edge is rebounding. But that was what Kentucky had as well. And it just – obviously that evened the game up. That's what kept Kentucky in it even when they weren't shooting the ball well. Um, but um, we've seen this year that Kansas State can survive being out-rebounded. Well, and I don't even think – I don't think rebounding is going to be a big issue either, D.Y. It's a little surprising to see because you always envision Tom Izzo teams as teams that get after it on the glass, right, especially the offensive glass. They're 70th in the country in rebounding rate. Kentucky was number three in the country. K-State came into the Kentucky game 96th in the country in rebound rate, so there's not a huge gap there. But Michigan State's Michigan State's 258th in the country in offensive rebounding percentage at 23.9%, so they're not a team that's – getting after it on second chance opportunities much. I think they have in the tournament. That would be my only thing where it seems like they've emphasized that a little bit more. I mean, they, they should be a better offensive rebounding team than they are because if you look at them, they have decent length size. I mean, Joey Hauser's at 6'9", Sissoko's 6'9", their center. Hauser's kind of their four that can – he's the stretch four that's 6'9". Hogard is their point guard. He's 6'4". Uh, Tyson Walker is another – they essentially play with two point guards and Walker and Hogard at the same time on the court – um, and then Malik Hall at 6'8 is a guy that comes off the bench for him, but he's been injury prone this year. Uh, but they, they got length, um, you know, and some size. They just they haven't been an elite rebounding team this year. So, I mean, Cole, I, as you dig in more, are you feeling better or worse? About well, that? I mean, I, I, would, I would rather play uh, Shaka Smart as a coach, but the players, I mean, look, it, it's hard to say this because Michigan state was clearly good enough to just beat Marquette. Right. So if they're good enough to end, they really controlled that game from start to finish for the most part. I don't think they really gave up the lead the entirety of that game. So Michigan state is a team that can be really good when they're on and they played, you know, they played Alabama, they played Gonzaga in the non-con, they played Kentucky in the non-con, they beat them. Um, then on a neutral floor, they lost to Gonzaga by one in the non-conference. But in Big Ten play, they've been up and down. I mean, that's a team that in the Big Ten tournament lost to DY's Buckeyes, who were 16 and 18 on the season, or 16 and 19, lost to them in the Big Ten tournament by 10 points without their leading score. Ohio State didn't have their top freshman who leads them, Sensiball, with 16-plus points a game, who's an NBA prospect. So I, I, I think from a talent perspective, I think Marquette is more talented than Michigan State. but Michigan State has the better coach. Now, Jerome Tang always says it's about the dudes, right? And so I, I think Michigan State has less dudes than Marquette does. So if you want to look at it that way, I think that's a positive. Shaka Smart is a Naismith Coach of the Year award finalist. Yeah, he's just got this. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he's got this resume in the postseason outside of that VCU Final Four run, right, where I think he'd lost six straight first-round games up until they they won their uh, their last one here in this current tournament. So I, I don't know. Like, yeah, he's had a heck of a year with how he coached up Marquette. They were not expected to be anywhere near where they were. Um, it can be intimidating to play Izzo in March, but I, I will say, guys, like since 2010, and, and this is still good, uh, since 2011, Izzo's 15-10 and 10 in the NCAA tournament. They didn't make the tournament in 2016, and since 2016 didn't make the tournament they were eight and five in the last five NCAA tournaments. They went out in the first or second round four of the last five years prior to this season. 
So, I mean, the, the Michigan, I have a ton of respect for Tom Izzo and Michigan State and their program. They're just not quite at that same tier that they were back then. Like the whole Izzo March theory, I, I think he's still a heck of a coach, but they don't have quite the same level of talent. And so I, I think that, that, you know, deters that a little bit. And so neutralizes the Izzo effect somewhat. And Kent State played against Joey Hauser when he was at Marquette. Well, I guess the, the other thing that concerns me is just like, frankly, when you play a team that is a jump shooting team and a good three point shooting team in particular, it's just like it, it you could just run into a night where they're red hot. I mean, and I, I get that that theory like would apply both ways, but I was about to make a sarcastic comment of like, when thank thank God for K State's sake, they're getting away from those godforsaken rims at the Greensboro Coliseum, you know, and not having to deal with that. But then I was like, well, honestly, if there was a team you were going to play where you'd rather have like the rims screwing you up, you know, like those big thick double rims you'd see on the playground or whatever, and having to deal with that, you'd rather have that against Michigan State to totally neutralize their real advantage and their real strength there. So I th- that is that is a concerning part to me, Cole. When you said that to me the other day during the live, so I was like. Oh. Did, did, did you guys see the uh, the tweet from John Gassaway where uh, teams through the first two rounds of this current NCAA tournament are shooting 31% from three? It's the worst shooting from three to this point in the sports reference vault, which goes back to 2011. Uh, I don't know if teams are just playing more uptight, if the defenses are better, uh, but 31% from three, and look, it impacted, obviously, K-State and Kentucky. Too physical. No one's getting – K-State got some open shots, don't get me wrong, but they're – they're letting a lot play right now. I mean, I've seen a lot of like coaches, former coaches, Chris Max, one of them that's kind of put out there the level of physicality that they are allowing in the NCAA tournament is about 25 times more than that that was allowed during the regular yeah. season. It's uh, just it's ridiculous. A, right now. Uh, I mean, ten, and every game is called inconsistent. Like you watch Tennessee Duke on Saturday, they let it turn into a rugby match. You watch uh, some of these other games. I, I think uh, Arkansas KU, there's 50 plus free throw shot. So there's just no consistency game to game. You don't know what to expect on the three point topic, John, and then we can toss to a final break. But on that subject, uh, I did want to mention a few things here. So Michigan State's number six nationally in three point shooting at 39 percent. They have three guys shooting over 40 percent from three. Uh, Now, here's what's really interesting about that. K-State's tied for number 12 in the country in three point defense, holding teams below 30 percent from three. So they've been an elite defensive team defending the three. Now, sometimes that doesn't matter because the teams catch fire like TCU did in Kansas city. They're not a good three point shooting team. Anybody can catch fire on any given night. So that's a factor, but Joey Hauser, DY mentioned him earlier, started his career at Marquette, transferred to Michigan state, six foot nine senior stretch four, who is 46% from three on the season. He would, if he qualified, he doesn't have quite the number of three point attempts to qualify. He shot 158 threes this year. Uh, he's just below the number to qualify, but if he did, he'd be number three in the country in three-point shooting percentage. So you have to be on him. He also will go down in the paint, and he'll take step backs, fade away jumpers. He'll post you up, take jumpers um, from 15, 16 feet. D.Y. mentioned a jump shooting team. Tyson Walker is the Spartans' leading scorer at nearly 15 points per game, one senior point guard. Also shooting 41% from three this season. He's 44% over his last two years at Michigan State, a guy from New York City transfer from Northeastern, another really good shooter. And then Jordan Akins, a guy that's shooting 42% from three. Uh, So three guys at over 40% can really light it up from the outside. Here's the thing, John, that could maybe meet your concerning criteria here. Over their last three games, Michigan State is 10 of 46 from three. That's 22%. 
But the four games prior to that, they had a four-game stretch right before that where they went 49 of 85 from three, 58%. So they uh, they went 58% from three over a four-game stretch right before this three-game stretch. So you wonder, like, are they in a slump? Do they break out of the slump against K-State? K-State's not a great team to break out of the slump, right, because K-State's an elite defensive team from three. But that is just something to, to put on the radar. Yeah. Yeah, that's scary. I mean, that is an obscene number for a four-game stretch. I mean, it feels like K-State's been fairly cold uh, from three themselves, so maybe maybe the light switch turns yeah. out for the Cats as well. Yeah, I mean, you would think K-State is due for three, right? I mean, that's three straight games where K-State struggled from beyond the arc as well, so you could say the same. Very, you know, K-State's a good three-point shooting team. They've been respectable uh, from three, and I think they could be due for one of those games where guys are all on together. So I, I if I'm K-State – I chase them off the three-point line because they're not a team. Like D.Y. said, they don't score a lot at the rim. And we talked about Montana State and their ability to get to the foul line. Like Michigan State is not a team that gets to the line. I mean, they are – I'm trying to look at the numbers. Because they're, they're, they, they don't do anything. They just shoot jump shots. If you don't, yeah. attack, if you don't attack the basket, you don't draw a foul. Yeah, so chase them, chase them off the three-point line. Make them take mid-range jumpers because they're 320th out of 363 Division One teams and free throws attempted for field goal attempt at 27%. The Spartans are 307th in the country attempting free throws on 20.5% of their offensive plays and 214th nationally in opponent fouls per possession drawn. Uh, 289th in percent of their points from the foul line at 16.5%. So they're the polar opposite of Montana State. Make them take jump shots, just not threes. All right, a, a popular narrative that I've seen crop up here is that K-State is the best team left in this region, not just because of the seed in front of their name. Uh, I'll ask these guys if that is indeed the case. Coming up next. You are listening to KC Sports Network. Your home for the best coverage on your favorite local teams. Whether you're a Chiefs, Royals, Sporting KC, KC Current, K-State, KU, or Mizzou fan, we've got you covered. Find KCSN on your favorite podcast platform. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Entertain, educate, inform. KC Sports Network. All right, you heard the question. I guess it was more a statement that I'm asking if you agree with it, but D.Y., we'll start with you. I mean, you're looking at like Michigan State and Tennessee being the other options here. No offense to the fighting Owls, the fighting Lane Kiffins. I'll still give Lane Kiffin uh, FAU there on that. But like K-State, Tennessee, Michigan State, I mean, are, are the Wildcats the best team left in the region right now? 
I think it's Kansas State or Tennessee. Tennessee without Zikai Ziggler could give Kansas State the edge, I guess. But they still have, man, like NBA talent one through five in their starting lineup, even when without um, Zikai, Zikai Ziggler. Uh, their defense is probably a little bit better. Um, it's close. I, I think they're a little bit more balanced, so I'd probably give Tennessee a slight edge. I think K-State maybe has more talent than Tennessee with Ziegler out. Um, I know Julian Phillips, obviously, is an NBA prospect, and they got some other guys that are really athletic. But, look, I watched Tennessee play Duke. I don't really want to play Tennessee because their brand of basketball is a disgusting brand of basketball, and they just try to turn it into a football wrestling match. I mean, it's it's ridiculous. I mean, they – what they, they, they've got this big guy, Vlatsic, who is just an enforcer and really, I mean, he just tries to knock people to the ground. It's not even basketball. And it was just an egregiously officiated game in the Duke-Tennessee game on Saturday. And so if you don't get a crew that's going to call the game the right way, Tennessee is going to rough you up uh, and try and bully you. And they're, you know, they've got some experienced guys. I think K-State maybe is the most talented team left. But, you know, like D.Y. said, Tennessee – with their, their defensive prowess, what they can do there. They can really discombobulate you. They did with Duke. Um, it'll just be a, a hard-nosed fight. Um, but I, I certainly think K-State's more talented than FAU. And I think they're they're more talented than Michigan State. But again, the Izzo factor. And Michigan State has talent. Uh, yeah, I, I think you could make a very good argument that K-State may be the most talented team left. I would agree with that. That also made me think of something else, too, that I've been think, thinking about, saying that word a lot. Michigan State also is a game where you're probably going to have some physicality, I think, if you're Kansas State um, after playing a pretty physical game with Kentucky because of Oscar. And then your second game on a short turnaround is Tennessee, which is probably the most physical. I mean, I, I guess it's not endearing to think that you'll have to play Tennessee on short turnaround with little rest just because of their style. Because if you're – not 100%, a little banged up, a little tired. Tennessee will make you 100 times that in about 10 minutes. Yeah, no, I, I agree with that, D.Y. And look, from a mental aspect, from a fan's perspective, I've talked to John about this. I get more anxiety about FAU beating Tennessee and the pressure being on K-State for the third time for a chance to get to the Final Four, having a eight or nine seed or lower. I mean, I know Butler was higher than that uh, in the NCAA tournament, but you had Butler, you had Loyola. And then if you get Florida Atlantic with a chance to go to the final four, I could not stomach another loss to a team like that. So I, uh, I kind of wait, I kind of hope it's Tennessee. I don't know. It sounds weird. Cause I just said, I hate the way they play, uh, but they, they can have very off shooting nights. Uh, and, and if K-State could hit some perimeter shots, I, I think you have a shot to beat Tennessee you know, you can, you can beat them handily at times. So I don't know. I, I like the point though, about the physicality and turnaround time. I mean, that, that, that would be quite the challenge against their physicality and, and they run a guy, a lot of guys off the bench too. I mean, I'll roll the dice with FAU Cole. I'll, I'll, I will too. I'll All roll right. the dice with FAU. You're, yeah. literally, you're literally talking yourself into rather playing Tennessee than Florida Atlantic. That's I mean, look, look, I'm gonna have you know how it is. I'm gonna have anxiety either way if they get in that stage. I'm gonna be an absolute nervous wreck. Um, whoa, whoa, and whoa, whoa. hold up, hold up. You realize where Florida Atlantic is at in Ken Palm? I mean, they're a good team. Twenty-two. They're a spot below K State. John, they won thirty-two games. Like. They're they're solid. They were ranked all year. Yeah. Good lord. 
Well, I mean, they lost by 13 to Mississippi. You can see that. Oh, that's a bad loss. Um, um, they lost to UAB and they lost to Middle Tennessee. Do we have any? I mean, they beat Florida by two. UAB might win the IT, though. Uh, Andy Kennedy, that's a stellar coach. You know, uh, I, I don't know. Uh, I don't, yeah, I, I don't know, Cole. I, uh, I I'm looking at this resume of Florida Atlantic. Is the, the correct answer is Florida Atlantic. Anxiety be damned. Florida yeah. Atlantic is the correct answer, especially given what I said about Michigan State's going to beat you around a little bit, and then you're going to play Tennessee two days later. Absolutely not. <sighs> fine. All right. Fine. Look, Florida Atlantic struggled with Farley Dickinson um, to the point where I had to hedge a bet last night because I had Florida Atlantic involved in a parlay. That was stupid of me. And the way that game was going, I had to put a little hedge in action. Yeah, I had Florida Atlantic covering 15 and a half. So, yeah, well, I was dumb and put them in a money line parlay that hit that hit, by the way. But, uh, you know, well, Cole, I mean, Florida Atlantic, at least to my knowledge, I shouldn't speak emphatically on this to my knowledge. Florida Atlantic does not have an old nun on the sideline. So that's I think a that's, a, that's a nice place to start. Um, I, I also I also think that we're not going to get the Frank Martin working the guys too hard the next day this time around, like he has famously said now multiple times happened after the Xavier game, right? Like Jerome Tang learned his lesson late in the season about making sure the guys have legs, okay? And so, and until we go to double OT against Michigan State, oh, God. Well, it's not in the mountains this time. It's not in the altitude. We're in we're in New York City. So you did say the nut thing, and it made me think it's a good thing that we didn't play Providence. Then I guess. Mm, Yeah, that (laughs) Friar mascot's really spooky, by the way. Well, I I sent that picture to you guys, right? Yeah, yeah, that terrified me. I I think my kids accidentally saw it. They probably screamed. I don't know. Like, uh, you know. I did want to mention, John, on the, the Michigan State front, just a couple of their defensive numbers because D.Y. alluded to it, and we talked about it on the live instant reaction pod a little bit as well. But Michigan State is 345th nationally in turnovers per possession forced at 14.4%, which is the lowest of any K-State opponent that they will have played all season. Talked about how K-State is 15-2 and two when they turn the ball over at a rate of 19.5% or less on the year. They're 14 and two since the start of Big 12 play when turning the ball over 15 times or less. Michigan State has forced 16 turnovers or more twice in 33 games this season. And one of them was actually against Marquette yesterday, but that was the second time. <laughs> so hopefully they're not figuring that out. They can't do it two in a row. Yeah. Well, okay. So they, they've forced, they've only forced double digit turnovers in 15 of their 33 games this season. That's 45%. They're 328th nationally in steals per possession at 7.1%. Now, somehow I created – got to go to Flando for this because somehow I created an enemy with a lot of Michigan State fans for merely tweeting out the stat about their turnovers possession force. Like, I got flooded by them. They found it, and they said, I clearly have never watched Michigan State basketball, which is absurd. You guys know I've watched hundreds of their games. Uh, But I, I did not realize this, admittedly, how low they've turned people over over the years in the Izzo era. And they were basically saying, like, we never turn people over. Well, I mean, that doesn't really change the point. Like, I'm talking about what has given K State fits and what they don't look to do. And they don't look to, that's part of their scheme. They don't look to pressure you and turn you over. And if you look at the past history, they were 331st in turnovers per possession, forced at 14.9%. In 2021 or last season, 
They were 331st at 15.5% in 2019 20 season and 344th out of 363 teams at 14.6% in the 2018-19 season. I just went back a few years, but that proved their point. Like they, they don't look to turn you over. It's not their defensive philosophy, uh, and that's a good thing for K-State. No, it's a great thing. And the thing is that you said it, it's because they don't do the whole ball pressure thing like a lot of teams do. You know what that means. There's going to be a lot of space. If they if they operate that way, there'll be a lot of space out there for Marquise Noel to shoot it. Yeah, no, I agree. I mean, they, they definitely – they'll have to probably try to extend their defense or sit back and, and hope K-State misses from three. And the other thing, D.Y., they're 208th nationally in block percentage at 5%. I mean, they, you can go to the rim on these guys. You can finish. I mean, Sissoko is really the only guy that's going to look to block your shot. Uh, they don't have incredible length. You think Kentucky was 103 in the country at 6.5%, so not great. But this is a team that's not great at defending the rim necessarily. Um, and they, I mean, they're, they're fine defensively. They're 31st in Ken Palm defense. So they're, they're not, I don't want people to think they're a bad defense by any means, but they just, they're not going to look to turn you over. They don't have a high offensive rebounding rate. They're 260-something in the country there. I mentioned earlier, 258th. And those were two of the biggest things that have given K-State fits this year. They can test jump shots. They help off the right guys. They let the right guys shoot. Here's the thing, though. You, you, can, you can't contest Marquise Noel's shot without pressure, though. Yeah. It's making me really nervous. Uh, it's going to be another bad shooting. I mean, all I'm hearing from you, Cole, now is like, I mean, look at I, No, 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 no. I think K-State is going to shoot well from three in this game. I, I, it's, it is. This game it's, it sounds crazy and it sounds simple. Like I'm what I'm about to say, like, oh, no, 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 no shit, right? But it's going to come down to like shooting, right? If Michigan State shoots their normal – then Kent State's in trouble. If, if Kent State shoots well, Michigan State – I mean, this it sounds like a shooting game to me. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, K-State went 7 of 30 from 3 against TCU. They went 4 of 15 from 3 against Montana State and 5 of 21 against Kentucky. Oh. So I think they're I think they're due to break out because, I mean, if you run the math, those combined numbers, I mean, 4 of 15, 5 of 21, that's uh, 9 of 36, then 7 of 30, that's 16 of uh, 60. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. Do the math live. Yeah, it's not a good number, which means I think they're due. I think they're going to catch fire from three against Sparty. I think they're going to get to nine, ten made threes. I think it's going to be the difference maker. Here's one big thing that's a key, guys. DY, I think you've talked about this too, but Michigan State is 295th in the country in possessions per game at 67.7. K State's 44th at 73.3. K State wants to speed the game up. Michigan State drastically wants to slow the game down. So it'll be kind of polar opposites in that end. Can K-State speed them up? Can they force them into turnovers? Michigan State's pretty solid at taking care of the ball. But again, that, that's because they, they essentially play two point guards. I mean, Tyson Walker is a good player, and Hogard is a big physical guard that gets to the rim. He's 215 pounds. 26%, by the way, Cole. That's uh, three guys with communications degrees putting together a math equation. Did you run those numbers correctly? Well, I can maybe check you out here. 17 divided by 66, I thought is what you said. Yeah, let's see. Let's see. You, were you thinking it was lower than 26%? Yeah. I got it at 24. I got 16 at 66. Okay, well, okay. So you, you said I thought it was 17. All right, whatever. Yeah, I mean, 24%. I mean, 24, 26, not good. But that's going to change. That's going to change. I'm going to be in New York City, folks. I'm coming. I'm coming for that ass, NYC. 
Whoa, 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 wait. Why are you threatening New York City? I don't know, actually. I just got... I just got really emotionally. I got caught up in the emotion. I'm getting to come to New York City. I'm going to Madison Square Garden to the Mecca. That was a Kansas State runs college football type moment. Yeah, I'm sorry. I haven't even had a drink. I mean, I just just got really excited I'm about getting on a plane. New York City. I'm coming for you, Sparty. Uh, you know, if I get tickets. So, well. Hopefully, I'll be coming for uh, Florida Atlantic's ass on uh, Saturday in New York City. How about that? What, what, what if I just go ahead and say that? Bring it um, on, Al Nation. Cole wants Tennessee, though. No, no, no. I changed my mind. I got scared. I, I want. I don't want to play football in basketball court. This would, Of all the fan bases, this is what we were talking about this a little bit. Of all the fan bases the three of us combined have made enemies with, I mean, you know, obviously you got your Iowa State and your Kansas, and I, you know, I've messed around with Texas and Oklahoma, but now we're like, we had Illinois last year with the Brad thing, and now you can throw Syracuse. Uh, you can throw Kentucky all the way on that too. Florida Atlantic would be one hell of a pelt on the wall if <laughs> uh, if we got that one as a fan base. I mean, I don't know if Florida Atlantic fans exist, uh, but if they do, that would be a very interesting one to add to our our list of enemies. Boca Raton, Florida, right? That would be correct, Dy and Lane Kiffin rebounded there with them, so. You know, we'll uh, we'll figure. Out, let's make it a goal to piss off Florida Atlantic Nation. <laughs> okay, that's gonna be my new one, goal. Hey, one game at a time. We gotta go one and zero. Yeah, no, I, I don't like. Looking by, I say this. I was about to make this point. Just sitting here and having the discussion of the game pulled it sucked me out of. I've been in this great bubble of like just basking in the glory <clears throat> of walking into an office in Leewood, Kansas today, wearing the purple with the Kansas shit around me just neutered and being able to be that guy at, at work today it's just been glorious and anytime i get on twitter it's just a barrage of amazing content and i was just in that world not even really thinking about michigan state and now with all this analysis of michigan state it is it, i was starting to get like really nervous and get i thought I, I thought i pulled some numbers dy didn't i pull some numbers dy that paint us in a favorable light I mean, yeah, but everybody's going to, you know, pee their pants the closer it gets time to tip off. I mean, Cole, you're, you're probably going to go through three different pairs of pants. Every time I do the Angels in the outfield, JFK State wins, guys. I believe I'm going to be fine. I'm going to Jeff, I'm going to tweet that out before the game. I mean, the only thing is, DY, John and I have not lost a game when we are together in and he won't come Thursday. I can't. I don't do it. I don't know the word can't. You get your ass to New York City, okay? And you get back on a flight that night, and you get back to New York City on Saturday. I'll hook you up with some Southwest points, all right? Uh, who, someone's going to hook you up with some Southwest points to get you back to New York City because, right. the, folks, you need to understand, the only game that John and I were at together this year that K-State lost, we sat apart from each other. It was the Texas game in Bramlage. He sits in the row right behind me at the other games we went to. He sat with me at the TCU game when we sat in different seats as well. We were at the Big 12 Championship together. We did the live show in Norman or at Tanner's in Aggieville for the wait, wait, K- KU, KU basketball, KU home game. Yeah. I mean, we have an, an astonishing resume. K-State, get John to New York. Can you put him on the plane? I've got, you know, I've got one offer. I've got one offer for airline points. You know, you, know I'm, you know I'm superstitious, and I know people think jinxes are silly, but you also know that – I wear the same exact polo and pullover and golf pants for every game now because the only time I didn't wear them was the Texas game and then lost, and I wore a different polo to the KC game. 
and uh, TCU. So, yeah, not happening. I mean, I guess if someone can guarantee me, you know, that I could get back on a red eye and be back in Kansas City on Friday. I don't know. There's, there's this new thing that's called a telecommute virtual environment that's really neat and the internet that can connect us all from different areas of the world. And I oh, think we can work that out. I've, I've explained the situation to you. All <laughs> right, I'm not going to get you in you trouble are, with your employer. You uh, are aware of the situation. I'll make a call. Okay, that's that's better. That is the best solution that you've offered uh, out of uh, this in, entire time. John, you want something else to make you not feel particularly great? Michigan State's one of the most experienced teams in the country. I was pulling the numbers like, you know, Hauser's a senior. He's played 130 games, started 108. Tyson Walker has played in 119 games in his career, started 109. Hogard's played in nearly 100 games. He's played in 95 games. Aikens, their sophomore, played in 65 games. Sissoko, their big, has played in 88. And uh, Malik Hall, who is their sixth man, has played in 117 games. A lot of seniors. I don't know. I don't see that one bothers me less. Than oh, me. see, experience bothers me a little bit in the, the postseason. I, I thought one of the key factors against Kentucky is, you know, they, they start a pair of freshmen. Now, Case and Wallace had a great game. It was actually their Reeves or their veteran guy that struggled, but I don't know. Yeah, I, I just throw it out. The point, no matter what the numbers are going to be, Cole. My point was that it was just making it real. Like I, you know, I'm just living in fantasy land, not anticipating having to go through the stress of another game uh, in the tournament coming up here. But that, that's the thing; they're just they're, they're very stressful. Anyway, we're gonna be fine. It's gonna be fine. Yeah, are we making a prediction? Are we gonna do that? Like, is that gonna be our, our thing here? Gonna put it out there for the folks what the score is gonna be? Uh, do we ever really do that? No, we don't do that. Maybe we need to do that. Why would Why would we start now? K State sixty nine, Michigan State sixty three. If 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 you didn't do that for the Montana State and Kentucky games and just did it for this one, and we lose. I'm coming for your ass. I'm joking. <laughs> I, I that was a fake prediction. I didn't mean it. Uh, one thing of encouragement: Ken Palm once again has K State by one. So uh, they had K State by one over Kentucky. The Sharps were on Kentucky, and Kentucky ended up closing what around three point favorites, and that yeah. didn't hit. And I checked this morning, and K-State was two-point underdogs. But, yeah, Ken Palm has it at – K-State is a one-point favorite. And I heard going into the weekend that Ken Palm was like 13-3 and three in the first 16 games uh, of their picks in the tournament. They were beating Vegas on a crazy rate. So I trust, I trust our boy Ken Pomeroy. And it all comes back to home, John, when we had Coach Tang Tang and yeah. Ken Palm called. That's where it hit, you know. Yeah. Final four guaranteed. We had it wrapped up then and we didn't even know it. Crazy. All right. Um, okay. I, I'm, I'm about talked out here. No official predictions from us. None. You can, yeah. read, you can, you can read it. Go subscribe to KSO. You can read DY predict the cats to lose again. That's, that's, that's the only predictions that you can make. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Okay. Montana state. Come on. <laughs> wow. Bold. <laughs> Really went out there on that one. Uh, I'm, I'm disappointed we didn't make Montana State enemies. We didn't do that. Uh, that game. It's never too late. Uh, yeah, okay, fair enough. All right, uh, that, that's gonna wrap it up. Let's 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 get out of here. We're we're losing steam. We just hit an hour after we say we're gonna do a 30 minute show every time we come on here. Thanks for listening uh, to the pod. We we appreciate the work of uh, Jordan Foot behind the scenes. Make sure you get your Ben Holiday Bottle and Bond Bourbon, your 360 Vodka from uh, Holiday Distillery. Support those who support us. Enjoy the tournament. 
hit me up about those airline tickets <laughs> and I will talk to you guys soon. We will talk to you guys soon. See you later. Thanks for listening to KC Sports Network. Don't forget to hit that follow button and leave us a review if you like what you heard and think others would as well. You can find all six of our channels at KCSN. Covering the Chiefs, the Royals, Sporting KC, and the KC Current. Plus KU, K-State, or Mizzou. By searching KCSN wherever you listen to podcasts. We're also on YouTube. Entertain. Educate. Inform. KC Sports Network.